Welcome to Screen It is the podcast that is all about movies, life, and so much more. I'm Jordan Anderson. Anderson, that's S-O-N. I feel like I always have to say that anytime I say my last name, but when you have a last name as generic as mine, you end up uh, you end up having to do that. So other Andersons out there can relate to that. But anywho, that doesn't matter. I'm Jordan Anderson. This is my podcast, and you're here, and for that, I am very thankful and appreciative. Uh, if you have not done so already, can you please go ahead and hit the follow button on whatever you're listening to this on, whether it's Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, whatever podcast service that you're choosing to listen to ScreenSpeak on, please go ahead and hit the follow button, download episodes if you're, if you are inclined to do so. And you can also check out the Instagram for the podcast, which is just simply titled at ScreenSpeak Podcast. It's very simple. Load Instagram, you search ScreenSpeak, you see the logo that you see on the podcast that you're listening to right now, and you'll be like, oh, okay, it's the same thing, Uh, and there's things that I talk about on movies, and I give little teasers to certain things I'm working on, and other little fun tidbits here and there. I'll be honest, I still am always, uh, I feel like I'm always on the learning curve when it comes to Instagram. I get it. I get what it's for, uh, at least I think I do, but I just don't really use it as as often as maybe I should, and um, actually maybe that's that's another way to grow the grow the podcast right there. Just Instagram the shit out of it, right? I don't know, but hey, I tried. So please go ahead and do one or all those things, and yeah, that'll that will be good for this podcast. So anyhow, um. Before I get into all the content that I have in store for this episode, which I actually have uh, a fair amount, I, I think, actually, if you know what this movie, I mean, if you've seen this movie, I don't think you're actually going to be surprised that I would have a fair amount, because this this movie that I'm going to be talking about uh, on this episode today, it's like it was made for uh, introspective analysis, or maybe not not introspective, just analysis. It is... It is ripe with things to dissect and pick apart and uh, expand on, which I love, of course, doing in this podcast. If you've been listening for a while, that's sort of what I do on this, is I take a movie and I talk about some of the themes, ideas, concepts, um, all kinds of different things, but really just give my own uh, perspective and commentary and tied into the real world or my own life, etc. So anywho... Uh, the Matrix is actually quite uh, quite a good movie to to do that for, um, but but I'll I'll get to that uh, of course the movie uh, in a moment, but not before I check in on you, my audience. That's that's right. You come first. The the movies you know the movies can wait. Matrix it's been out since 1999. It can you, you can wait to hear my thoughts on it, can't you? Right. I got to check in on you. So let's just take a moment. Let's take a moment here. How are you? How are you? Is your day going well? Is your has your week been okay? What about this month? What about your life? Are you are you living the life that you want to live? Are you even doing? Are are you even satisfied right now? You ever have you actually asked yourself that recently? Like you're sitting there. Are, are you like actually content? I mean, I'm sorry. I'm I'm actually asking. You can answer out loud. Answer out loud if you want to. Here, take a moment and answer that question. Are you satisfied right now? <laughs> I don't actually know if you took the time to to answer it, but I like to ask. I like to ask, even though it's a bit of a one-way, not a bit. It is a one-way conversation when I'm doing a solo episode like this, but 
I still like to try to have a dialogue with you, my audience. So uh, anytime, just be real with you, anytime I ask that question, send, send me an email. Send the podcast an email. It's at, uh, sorry, it's screenspeakpodcast at gmail.com. I'll repeat that one more time. Screenspeakpodcast at gmail.com. Drop the podcast an email. I will reply to it. I promise you, I will. And do the same thing on Instagram. If I ever ask a uh, question like how you are, or maybe I want your input um, as a listener to some of the things I'm saying, or I would maybe just like to hear your own thoughts on the movie I'm talking about, let me know. I want to have an interaction with you. So so please, go, please, please, please go ahead and do that. But anywho, I didn't mean to inadvertently do another plug, but I, I guess I did. Um, okay. So I, I really actually hope you, you know, things are going okay. I mean, it's, it's, it's December 3rd already, which is crazy. Uh, happy birthday. I actually have to give a quick birthday shout out. Happy birthday, uh, to my younger brother. Um, very, very, uh, happy that he made it another year. I don't know why I say it like that. It's not like he was, you know, about to go into the grave or anything like that. He is younger than me and healthy. But it's his birthday today, so if he's listening, happy birthday, little brother. I love you, and you are, you're awesome. You're like, I mean, you actually are my best friend, so there you go. I said it out loud. I admitted it. Um, but yeah, it's his birthday today. Uh, Christmas is right around the corner. I uh, got my mom's birthday coming up. Uh, December's a busy month. It's, it's year-end. Uh, people are trying to wrap up projects, wrap up presents. Uh, get into the holiday spirit. They're going to places and events, I think. I don't know really what people are doing always around the holidays these days. Because uh, it's, you know, we're still we're still in the COVID times. We're still in the strange, bizarre COVID times. Uh, so I don't really know. What, what do people do right now around the holidays? Do they put up lights? Do they go caroling? Do they just go and buy a bunch of stuff to impress people, to impress the people that they don't like and buy things they don't need? Or I might have said that backwards, but um, I'm not sure. Do you hear that, by the way? Listen to this. Listen listen to that. This is obnoxious. Hang on. Okay, well, I don't know if I just have like a really like sensitive glass or if just the ice cubes in that glass are being ridiculous, but whatever i don't really why am i talking about ice cubes you don't care let's move on right let's move on um so i got a comment on my own self for a moment here um i think i had said that thanksgiving was well because at the time uh the last episode that i had posted it was i have a calendar in front of me because i can't count backwards on days the last episode came out on november 26th so yes uh yeah, it was shortly after uh, Thanksgiving. And at the time, it was fine. But I got to tell you, folks, I had a bit of a doozy of a weekend that last weekend. And I got to share a little bit. So I lost my wallet. Um, I don't know where if, I don't know where it's at. So whoever has my wallet or if it's just in the crack of a couch or wherever, um, I, I hope I hope it gets found and, and nobody does anything to it. But <clears throat> I lost my wallet. And let me tell you. As if you didn't need to, I mean, you don't even need to have me tell you, but it it should be common sense. Don't do it. Do not lose your wallet. It is a bad idea. And I'll tell you why. 
because in this day and age where we're so digitally dependent on on financial things because there's a lot of online banking and things like that now it, it was terrible i had to like reorder reorder like several cards uh i had to set reset up automatic transfers close an account open an account um i have to try to get a new id which i had no idea how much of a headache that would be i've gone to the dot before and it's never been that big of an issue um you know you usually show up you usually get some type of a ticket wait in line like a sheep sit around a bunch of unwashed masses and I, I don't know there's there's always sometimes a weird person at the at the dot or dmv do they, do they actually do they say that anymore because like i i know what dot stands for department of transportation and i believe dmv is like the department of motor vehicles but are they one and the same am i am i an idiot i i don't know but anywho i didn't think it was that hard of a process but huh, boy was i mistaken Apparently, you have to have an appointment prior. So just to let you know, uh, if you're in the state of Iowa and you lose your license and you need a replacement, don't just try to walk in, even though they they say loosely on the website that you can do it. But don't try to do that um, because you will likely get denied. Or in my case, you'll just have some heartless kiosk give you a little QR code on a ticket after saying that you don't have an appointment. And it's essentially the equivalent of get out of the building. We are not going to see you for this 10 minute task and come back in three weeks. And like, that's, that's, that's it. So I real I realize I'm kind of complaining. I'm not trying to be negative uh, about the whole thing. I, you know, it's my fault. I lost the wallet. Like it, it's on me. I I'm accountable. I'm accountable for my actions. I get it. But, oh, my God, I didn't think it would take that long. And so, yeah, I, I was just really stressed about it. I'm still kind of stressed about it. It's weird not having it. Um, but I guess it hasn't really been a problem so far unless I get, like, pulled over by the police. <clears throat> In which case, I actually asked a police officer that I know. I'm like, hey, uh, if if I got pulled over, like, what, what would I do? Am I going to go to jail? Like, is this going to be a problem? And he just said, no, like, as long as you have the ticket or sorry, not ticket, the, the email or text that says, Hey, you got an appointment coming up. Uh, you could show it to the, to the officer that pulls you over, probably some insurance information and whatnot. And most of the times they should be understanding because it's not, it's not a hundred percent your fault that you have to wait three weeks. It's of course your fault that you lost the wallet again. Um, but not the fact that you have to wait that long. So anyways, it's just, it's, it's kind of a crazy thing and I really beat the hell out of myself for doing it. Hopefully it doesn't happen again anytime soon. And I didn't like lose any money or anything like super duper valuable in there. I mean, it's, it's all replaceable. That's, that's, that's always a good thing. Uh, there are not many material things in life that you can't get back unless it's some sort of a possession, some family heirloom or something. I admit I did carry around a photo of my grandpa. Um, I had a photo of my uh, older brother and me when we were kids in there, a photo of my fiance uh, and a photo of my little brother in there. So it's all, well, it's all sad. I mean, I have copies of all these things, so it's not, it's not that terrible, but it's, I don't know. It's a little sad. Anywho, let me let me actually get into the the actual movie here because like I said I have I actually have a fair amount that I wanted to talk about on here and I I, I tried to do some more extensive research for this episode um, I'm even going to be putting in a, a couple more sound bites than what I usually do 
I've done it for some past episodes before, but I don't really always do it for everyone, but whatever. Let's let's just get into it. So I am here today to talk about The Matrix, which was released in uh, not sorry. I'm <laughs> okay. I'm not sure what those incoherent noises were, but I'm going to try and do that again. No edits. Here we go. <laughs> I'm here to talk about The Matrix. It was released in... I, I keep saying in. It was released in. I'm trying to say it was released on. Third time's the charm, right? Okay. I'm here to talk about The Matrix. It was released on March 31st of 1999. Stars Keanu Reeves, Carrie Ann Moss, Lawrence Fishburne, Hugo Weaving, and Joe Pantoliano, or however you say his last name. Joe, if you're listening, I'm sorry, I don't know how to say your last name, but I like you as an actor. You're actually really underrated in the movie Midnight Run, which people should definitely check that out if they haven't seen it. Okay, so reason I want to talk about The Matrix, aside from the just sheer level and grab there, there's just there, there's a ton to pick apart in this movie so that's one of the reasons i wanted to talk about it but of course the fourth matrix movie there is a fourth matrix movie that is coming out i believe it comes out on christmas day or pretty close to christmas day and uh, it's called the matrix resurrections um I'm not going to really talk all about that uh right now but i just thought it'd be fitting and i think i have enough time that um, so December 3rd, today, December 3rd will be the matrix. And then on December 10th, I will be talking about the matrix reloaded. And then I will finish out the matrix trilogy on December 17th and talk about the matrix revolutions. And I thought that'd just be fitting because the matrix resurrections is coming out, um, you know, very soon. And I, I just thought, Hey, like this is as good as time of any to talk about the matrix trilogy and I really, really love the Matrix trilogy. Yes, even the sequels. I know they that they've gotten their sh- level of shit over the years, especially the third one, and I have some gripes with it too. But overall, I think it's a great trilogy. I like a hell of a lot of it, and I am excited. I gotta admit, I'm excited for... Um, I'm excited to return to this world and hopefully have it go in new and unexpected directions. Like, I don't want to rehash. I don't want Matrix Resurrections to be a rehash of things that I've seen in the other three Matrix movies. I want it to be in the world, but I ultimately want it to be bold. I want it to try new things, take some chances, um, and just take me on a good ride and, and make me think because that's what... Uh, all the Matrix movies does, but that, of course, doesn't happen without the first Matrix movie, so let's get started. So, this movie came out in 1999. Uh, I never actually got to see it in theaters. I can recall the first time that I watched it being at my dad's house, and he, he, we had a pretty big TV at, uh, at the time, but it was like one of those like big brick TVs, the one that you know weighs a thousand pounds, and you needed a whole crew to go move it. Um, but we watched it on that, and I remember it was actually a, a movie that my older brother and I seemed to to bond over. Uh, my older brother's never really liked a lot of movies. I shouldn't say like; he just doesn't really watch them as much, uh, nearly as much as myself. Hang on, I'm taking a sip here. <clears throat> he doesn't watch them nearly as much as myself, but we both could appreciate 
a lot of the qualities of the Matrix, namely the action, uh, the slow motion, bullet time, uh, <clears throat> the cool outfits, cool sunglasses, just cool. Matrix is cool. It is cool. It's extremely cool. Uh, Hassel has one of the most entertaining villains ever, Agent Smith, played by the wonderful Hugo Weaving. And it also has an amazing soundtrack and score. There's some great songs in the Matrix, the first Matrix movie. I still listen to the soundtrack and score like to this day, not just for the first movie, but all three of the Matrix movies. Uh, so I really stand, I stand by that. So if you haven't listened or decided to like go and, and check out the music of the matrix, definitely do yourself a favor and, and check that out because it is well worth it. But as I was saying, I, I bonded over it with my older brother and it was just one of the movies that like we watched repeatedly at my dad's, uh, together. Uh, we specifically would sometimes just pop the DVD in just to watch the lobby shootout scene towards the third act of the movie. And that's, that scene is so badass. I mean, it is balls-to-the-wall action. You got SWAT soldiers getting wasted left and right. You have people doing cartwheels with guns. Um, you have that kick-ass song by the Propellers, I think is what it's called. Um, I actually got to gotta look it up here. Let me see. Uh, the Matrix, of course. Lobby shootout music. See, it comes up in the Google search so you know people like it. All right, it's called Spy Break. Yes. Okay. Hey, my memory served me correctly. Spy Break by Propellerheads. Look up that song. And you know what? You listen to that song, especially like if you were working out or just you're at work and you're wanting to kind of think and get into the zone. Play that song. It's going to do the trick for you. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, like I said, I, I bonded with my older brother over it. We really liked it. And from there... I just, you know, I became a fan. I, I really became a fan. I think that was like my first also real exposure to Keanu Reeves, uh, maybe Point Break before I think I may have seen. Uh, but The Matrix put him on the map and put a lot of things on the map and, and really did a lot for, I think, culturally speaking, because this movie, aside from being wildly entertaining and original and thought-provoking and groundbreaking when it comes to its uh, special effects and the technology that, that went into it. Um, did a lot for the stunt community. And <clears throat> I would also say, uh, from a philosophical and education standpoint, this, this is a movie that has been used in uh, several film schools across the country. There's a lot of universities and um, education centers that still to this day will reference the matrix or use it in um in like philosophy classes and and other i think it's it's using a handful of things i think psychiatrists have like even referenced it because there is a lot of of metaphors and symbolisms and and ideas and there's there's a lot to pick apart in this and i and i promise i will be able to articulate it in this one i i did not want to have a stumbling bumbling episode where i was like even though whatever that was see it says it, that that seemed to be like that uh but no i i won't do that much hopefully not at all um <clears throat> okay but yeah there, there's a big cultural impact that this movie has and it still has it to this day and and weirdly enough i think the matrix I've, most people will reference the first one that some some of the more hardcore fans might reference the sequels but a lot of people can still see a lot of the tie-ins that the first matrix has uh to today 
living in a simulated reality, um, being distracted by technology, being ruled by machines. There are ideas um, and theories that are played out in this movie that uh, on an on a eerie on an eerie and uh, I guess disturbing level are are relevant uh, still to this day. And, and in fact, you could actually also uh, you could also argue too that the Matrix predicted uh, certain things that you're seeing in today's times. So it's, it's, it's very, very interesting. And, and with that, <clears throat> I think I have to start this by telling you, the audience right now, that I just want you free your mind. First, the first step towards freeing your mind is talking about virtual reality. What is real? How do you define real? If you're talking about what you can feel, what you can smell, you can taste and see then real is simply electrical signals interpreted by your brain and what it is meaning today uh how it plays a part in our lives today what is it um is virtual reality strictly a technological thing technological thing is what i'm trying to say is it physical is it spiritual is it philosophical uh let's pick this apart a little bit so firstly according to virtual reality society I, I'll be honest, I don't know if this is the top virtual reality thing, uh, but it seemed okay when I pulled it up online. But <clears throat> if you look up what virtual reality means, it says the following. So the definition of virtual reality comes naturally from the definitions for both virtual and reality. Duh. The definition of virtual is near and reality is what we experience as human beings. So the term virtual reality basically means near reality. This, of course, uh, could mean anything, but is usually but usually refers to the specific type of reality emulation. Um, Oh, and there is a definition here in technical terms. Let's see if I can even comprehend this. In technical terms, answering what is virtual reality in term in technical terms is straightforward. Virtual reality is the term used to describe a three-dimensional computer-generated environment which can be explored and interacted with by a person. That person becomes part of this virtual world or is immersed within this environment and whilst there is able to manipulate objects or perform a series of actions. I actually I you know I, I think I understood that relatively well. Um, but of course, virtual reality, the subject of it, it comes to mind, especially when you're thinking of the matrix, because after all, that is what Neo and the characters are in is a simulated reality. What they are experiencing in their day to day is not real. It is false. It is an illusion that is pulled over their eyes by these man-made machines that eventually outgrew, uh, its creators uh, I don't want to say enslaved us, but they definitely took us over, turned us into a double A battery. Uh, we tried to block out the sun to stop them. It didn't do shit. They just turned us into batteries and we got put into these little baby pod farms and literally sucked dry of energy. It's actually really disturbing when they show that in the movie. There's that eerie, eerie scene where it shows that baby being fed dead, melted dead babies or something. It's, it's, it's messed up. Um, really twisted, but let me, let me talk, let me, let me try to tie this back into virtual reality and not think of that gross melted baby. Um, so virtual reality is an interesting one and it's one that I think it's a subject that I think is, well, it's come a long way. That's what I was trying to say. Virtual reality has come a long, long way. 
I don't even know if in 1999, if it was something that was really prevalent or if it was just like on the early outsets of, of becoming uh, more of a thing. Um, but it, it's, it's pretty good, pretty good what they can do now. I haven't really had a chance to like play around with like Oculus Rifts or um, some of the more expensive VR equipment, but I, I've had my fair share of it. I know I had a, <clears throat> I had a Samsung Galaxy Android phone uh, at one point. And they had a cheap version of a virtual reality kit that you could buy with it and you could use your phone uh, to connect with. And I, I actually owned it for a while and I, I played around with it. I, I actually watched, uh, I remember very specifically, I watched The Mummy 2 on it on Netflix on, in virtual reality for some reason. I don't know why I decided that would be the movie to test, but I did it. And I remember it was cool, but... And maybe it's just because I was trying like a cheaper version of virtual reality, but it, it seemed, it seemed still like disorienting to me. Like I didn't, I kind of had a headache after watching the movie for like 40 minutes because even though like I could tell like it was like, everything was like projected bigger and it was convincing to an extent, but I still was very aware. I'm like, this is, this is not real. This, this is a fake reality that is uh, pulled over my eyes literally and <clears throat> it's not perfect uh, like the resolution is not as crystal clear as what I see today so I it's a little strange um, <clears throat> hang on I got I gotta do an obnoxious cough I sometimes do them I can't help it hang on <coughs> yeah okay we're good so yeah, I, I've only really tried the cheapy versions of virtual reality. I've never really gotten into the expensive ones. So perhaps somebody that has tried expensive virtual reality equipment, they could tell me uh, if I'm missing out, perhaps. But it does make you think. Uh, you know, virtual reality, I mean, like, is it strictly just something that we physically manifest? Can there also be a spiritual sense of it? Uh, is there philosophical sense as well uh, which that, that's something I will get into a little bit later on is talking actually about simulation theory but yeah virtual reality um, it seems cool in the context of the matrix uh, they, they get plugged in I, I don't really like the the plug that they have in the back of their head I, I admit that's kind of an eyesore probably wouldn't be the most comfortable I'd actually be afraid that I would like accidentally zap myself in the shower or something like that I'm, I'm sure the machines probably thought of that or maybe they didn't because they're, they're enslaving us. They didn't think we'd get out or did, did they? Well, but, and that's, I guess that's an argument too, because if you watch other matrix movies, they talk about how we've had versions of this system before your number seven. I think that's the architect from matrix reloaded, but I'm not going to talk about matrix reloaded. Now you'll have to tune into the next matrix episode, which when did I say that was coming out again? I, why can't I just remember the days in front of me? That'll come out on the 10th. So there, plug for episode two in the Matrix, uh, the Matrix trilogy episodes, December 10th. 10th? Holy crap, I'm having Alzheimer's. December 10th, yeah. How many times did I say 10? Mm. Okay, so virtual reality. It's interesting, but... Uh, I don't know. Would I want to live like that all the way? If the technology got it a little bit better, maybe. I could see it maybe being like uh, in the future being like Ready Player One. 
Has anybody ever read that book? Seen the Steven Spielberg movie? Because if, if, if life around me is really pretty crappy and the Matrix might be better and the virtual reality is pretty convincing and I can overall maybe have a more positive existence even though the world around me and reality is collapsing, perhaps, perhaps I would opt in for the electronic fake world. But I don't know. And in another way, if you think about it, we already have kind of adopted it to an extent. I, I comment on it often when I go out to dinner or even if I'm sitting in a room full of people, I don't, it'll be, you'll hear crickets because people will have their, their wireless headphones in. They'll be staring at their phones. Literally, their life is tied to a screen and they're obsessed with it. They're looking at news feeds. They're opening up apps. They're conducting their entire lives practically on these damn screens. Uh, so in a way... Isn't that kind of virtual reality? Is that not another form of it when you're vicariously living through a device and a screen? I don't know. It's one of many things I think I want people to think about. Uh, it's certainly something I think about. And do I have an answer for that? <clears throat> not really. But if I have a final thought on virtual reality and how it's tying into the matrix and whatnot, I would just say that it seems like we're getting closer to it being awfully convincing to the real thing. Will it ever get that way? I'm not sure. If it does, I don't really know if it'll do it in my lifetime. I've seen a lot of technical advances in my years, but I don't really know if we're quite there on, on that level. But I can say our dependency on technology has only gotten worse and people are a lot more dependent on the technology. I think I already said that. Yes, I did. But but they're more dependent on it and, and they also look at it a lot more. So sure, I could actually see it becoming a, a lot more of a threat uh, Yeah, in the future. So let's keep an eye on that. And in the meantime, I would just say, I'm not like saying virtual reality is all terrible. Sure, it's got its uses, but real world's still a pretty good thing. So maybe maybe keep an eye on that and less on the VR stuff. Especially some of the weird stuff you can do in VR. It's, uh, well, I don't have to tell you that. You have an imagination. Use it. Okay. <laughs> um, another thing I wanted to uh, discuss on this episode is some of the more... Um, what was I trying to say? Metaphorical. I was trying to sound smart there. Uh, some of the metaphors that are in this movie, because they have been discussed by many people over the years, and now you're about to listen to me talk about that myself. Um, okay, so I'm trying to find where... Ah, yes. So there's a lot of different avenues that I could take when I'm talking about the metaphors within the matrix, but I want to have it be tied to character mainly. And I'll focus on the main three being Neo Trinity and Morpheus, because they're, you know, they're the main characters. They're, they're literally the, the Holy Trinity. Ha 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 ha. Okay. But they are the main three and there is some interesting, possible explanations behind their names what they re what they mean what it means to the context of the story is there a meaning that whole thing so i, I thought i'd be worth diving into that um <clears throat> so neo or as he's referred to in the movie sometimes he's referred to as the one um 
he in a lot of ways if you think about it and it's fairly obvious from the story he is very much like a christ-like figure um in this movie and then across the trilogy uh, like i said <clears throat> he's referred to as the one and it's easy to see that there are several parallels that exist between neo and christ so oh well i was i was about to say one but that's uh or, no, I, I, yeah, I can say this one. It's for the first Matrix, but <clears throat> one thing is Neo, uh, if you recall at the end of the first Matrix, spoiler, um, he is he does get killed um, briefly by Agent Smith, and he gets uh, he gets resurrected at the at the end of the first Matrix, uh, which at that point that kind of seals the deal, so to speak, about him being the savior of the human race, I believe. Morpheus has that moment where he's just like he's beginning to believe or no he he says he is the one like he he confirms it that sounds nothing like Lawrence Fishburne by the way um so he gets resurrected just like Christ he's earthly and godly just like Christ he has an understanding that he has a purpose beyond himself just like Christ uh and he also slowly begins to uncover and understand that his own ability uh, is is transcendence. It, it goes beyond this world. It actually it can affect the next. Um, there, there's more parallels that get drawn there. That's more down into the sequels, whatever. Um, and then and then even uh, <clears throat> even his name, uh, Thomas Anderson. That's his actual name. Neo is just his hacker alias. But even Thomas is, if you look at the, the scripture, it suggests that the New Testament figure of the disciplined Thomas, who, wait, yeah, who won't believe in Christ's resurrection until he sees proof with his own eyes. Okay. Did that? Oh, I thought I, I thought I was on to something there. Maybe not. Uh, wait, no. Yes, I am. Why, why am I second guessing myself so much on this? Be believe in yourself. Believe. That's that's not Lawrence Fishburne. That's just me doing bad Lawrence Fishburne. Okay. But yeah, uh, Neo makes a lot of connections to, you know, seeing is believing or believing is seeing, uh, vice versa, perhaps. Um, he has to be tested also in a way, just like Christ. So there's a lot of religious metaphors between the character of Neo and, and Jesus Christ. So that's that's certainly an interesting one. But then if we move over to Trinity... So Trinity, there, there is also some, um, some Christian uh, connections there, or some religious overtones, possibly. I mean, the name. So, the, so the name Trinity, it, it carries, it carries a host of Christian connotations. That's a, that's an interesting word, connotations. Uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna read a little bit uh, right here, just about Trinity, because it's interesting. So, the Trinity in Christian theology represents the unity of God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. So, in other words, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And according to a Christian view of salvation, we can receive eternal life through the Trinity. So, just as the Holy Trinity acts as the center of the Catholic religion, the Matrix uh, is in many ways united by the relationship that develops between Trinity and Neo. It's kind of interesting. And furthermore, this, this article goes on to explain that God is the only Savior who offers us salvation, and he offers it through Jesus Christ, whom we can only come to know through the power of the Holy Spirit. And in the Matrix, 
Trinity serves as a uniting force, the one who gives us access to Neo. So that's really interesting. Um, it's very, very interesting. And it just, it, it actually blows my mind a little bit how many different ways there are to pick a movie like this apart. And you have to give credit to the Wachowskis for their writing on this because they came up with all this. They came up with this entire universe. I don't want to say from scratch, but they they have, of course, their influences, and they most definitely were influenced by religion and philosophy and cyberpunk and, and all kinds of things, but it is still original. And so I I do think the Wachowskis, they're geniuses. They're geniuses. They're, they're, they're able to come up with all this. And I guess if I, you know, if I ever got to meet them, if I ever got to meet one or both of them, I would definitely ask, like, how much of this was intentional for there to be this much interpretation of their movies did they ever think that this would be a thing uh or i mean maybe they were just really damn good writers and they just saw the nuance and wrote enough of it that even maybe they didn't know all the answers to it i don't know it's uh well it's certainly interesting to think about but yeah trinity there's there's some religious overtones there and then morpheus uh, Morpheus himself, that's Lawrence Fishburne, the guy I was doing a terrible impression of. <clears throat> I could do it again. Uh, what, what is real? How do you define real? That soundbite's going to be in this episode later, so you can, you can listen to that and then go back to that little two-second abomination and, and make up your own mind. Uh, <clears throat> <coughs> why? Why did I, why do I have to cough? <clears throat> Stop it. Stop it. Stop coughing. You're disturbing the people as they're trying to listen to this in the car or are you walking? I don't know. Let's stay on point. So Morpheus, that's what I was trying to say. So there's another article I found on Morpheus that talks about his name and saying that many philosophies and religions alluded to Morpheus in the Matrix and suggest that he has multiple roles and meanings. The name Morpheus itself suggests the Greek god of dreams, whose name literally means he who forms. The god Morpheus has the ability to change his own shape and manipulate reality, as well as the power to bewitch other people's minds with dreams and fantasies. He also has the power to wake people up, and in the Matrix, Morpheus clearly wakes Neo up from the world of illusions. And furthermore, the root name of Morpheus... uh, quote-unquote morph which means form uh, appears in words such as morphine a drug known for its sleep and dream inducing qualities wow that's uh i'm i'm even having to take a moment here that's the first time i read that that's fascinating the i i had heard before that morpheus the name ties into the greek god of dreams but i i don't really know a lot about that makes me actually want to study a lot more Greek mythology. It's really, really, really interesting. Any, any, anyone in my audience a Greek mythology expert or has a, has a fascination for it? You know, hit me up. I, I would be interested. Hey, come on, come on the podcast. We'll talk Greek mythology. I can talk about Clash of the Titans or some movie that has that, right? I don't know. But, but yeah, it's just, it's very interesting because aside from Neo 
Trinity, Morpheus, uh, Agent Smith. Uh, there, there's other characters, um, characters and, and things throughout this movie that have a lot of metaphors and overtones to it. But the characters, those three in particular, I thought were were very interesting and and what their names actually really mean over the course of the story because i do think it's uh well i think it's pretty intentional so now another thing that it's worth picking apart in this movie is talking about systems of control and specifically is free will actually a thing or are our thoughts and actions constantly being manipulated by forces that we do not perceive in our day-to-day lives? It's a big question, so I'm going to let that one sit with you here for a second. <clears throat> yeah, it's a big question. And I've got a couple tabs open here to, to, try to try to talk about this a little bit. So... First, let's just define what a control system is. So, according to Google, a control system manages, commands, directs, or regulates the behavior of other devices or people uh, or systems, gosh, using control loops. Oh, I think this one's actually trying to, like, tell me some engineering terms. It's saying it can range from a single home heating controller using a thermostat controlling a domestic boiler. Okay, I don't I don't care about that. If I have those kinds of problems in my life, I'll just pay somebody to do it because I am not a man-man and I don't really know how to fix that kind of stuff. I know there's YouTube videos out there to teach me these things, oh, but I'll be honest. My, my interests lie in other places and it's not really there, but if we're talking about systems of control in the real world, not literal machines, even though perhaps that is worth talking about, machines controlling things, right? Because machines are controlling man, uh, whatever. But <clears throat> I think there are a lot of systems uh, systems of control in our day-to-day lives. Um, we go to work every day and we are controlled often in that regard unless you are fortunate enough to be independent and not reliant on a company and their resources to um, provide your upkeep so so, you know not everybody is but enough are enough can feel a sense of control from that feeling uh, a reliance um, on that system Another another method of control, of course, is government. <clears throat> that is quite literally a system of control. It is bound by rules and policies and, and value structures and, and other different things that all tie together uh, to, in, in a lot of the government's eyes, create order. Um, but to others, it's, it's another form of control. <clears throat> trying to think of another one you could say financial control i think as well people are very much these days and perhaps perhaps always people are motivated by greed and money can make people do things and money can make people uh feel in control if they have enough of it It you could also feel out of control if you're losing it so there, there are some things to think about there, but I don't know. I, I want to, I want to tie this, this idea of systems, uh, systems of control 
into free will uh, because I think it ties into the matrix because Neo, when he's found by, by Morpheus, he gives him the choice, right? He gives him the choice of the red pill or the blue pill. He's like, you, you take the, take the blue pill. Like you, you stay in the, stay in the dream world. You just, you hang out here. But if you take the red pill, you got to follow Alice down that rabbit hole and you see how deep it goes. Um, <clears throat> then it makes you wonder like how much of it was really up to him. Was he predestined to take it? Because the Oracle in the movie, if, if you know fans of the Matrix will know this, if you've seen the movie, the Oracle makes us think how much of our lives are predestined to happen. Or, you know, are we subjective to fate? Do we actually even have free will, or is the world around us and everything that we do just really manipulating us to the point that? free will doesn't actually exist or maybe we get illusions that it exists in our minds but in reality there's just too many things around us that are pulling us in different directions that so often more often than not anyway we don't get to just use our own minds to always come up with decisions we're always being manipulated and and directed by things whether it's people it's technology it's things um I might be talking out of my ass a little bit on this, but you understand where I'm coming from there? Is, is there anything there? I, I think there might be. But I want you to think, of, yeah, think about that. Think about that. Ponder it. Ponder it as I continue over to the next. And it's our first in the episode here. It is a hypothetical, which I love my hypotheticals in this podcast. I really do, people. And it goes to the question. The question it's, it's the question, Neo, the question that drives us mad. I'm not talking about that part, but that's the part where he's in that club and he's just like, well, what is, what is the Matrix? And Trinity's awfully close to him telling him that. So I, I, what, what the hell am I trying to get out with that? I don't know. All right. <clears throat> it's hypothetical time. So I'm asking you, the audience right now, the red pill or the blue pill? You got Lawrence Fishburne. You have Morpheus. He's sitting right in front of you. You just found out. Well, you haven't found out yet, but you can find out the truth by taking the red pill or you can stay you can stay in your current circumstance by taking the blue pill. Which do you take? Um, while you're thinking about that, I'm going to take a quick sip here. And apparently the ice cubes are gone here. So there's no more of that terrible ice distraction. So... One moment. You think about that question while I take a sip. Did you have time to think about it deeply for the 10 seconds that I left you there? I don't know. Well, I guess I should answer the question uh, for myself. Which one do I take? Um, <clears throat> I got to be honest. I think I'm taking the red pill. I think so. And... That's something that I'll touch on, I believe, more towards the, yeah, more towards the end of this episode. I will, I will touch on why exactly I would take the red pill. But for now, I'll just say yes, I would absolutely take the red pill. And I'll give you my answer on why towards the end of the episode. But you think about that. Take the red pill. You're going to stay in the Matrix. Might not be a bad idea. Matrix might be a nicer place. Certainly has some juicy steaks. Okay. All right, um, so next, next up on here, uh, I wanted to talk about the 
the symbiotic relationship that we actually have today with machines and how the Matrix itself actually has a, a bit of a commentary and seemingly thoughts uh, about this. <clears throat> so, once again, according to the Google machine, I think this is right because I, I typed in symbiotic relationship between machine and human. And the very first thing that came up was this little blurb saying the main idea behind AI human collaboration is that it's a symbiotic relationship working together. Each can produce results that exceed what either can achieve alone. A corollary to do this is that AI systems rely on human input just as much as human workers rely on intelligent automation. So it's very <clears throat> this this is actually something that's really really interesting especially today with how much we are truly reliant on machines and only continue to become more so reliant on a um, little bit alarming honestly speaking if you're asking me I, I think there's there's too much of it I, I think there's a lot of humanity that gets lost by being so connected to a screen even though I know, uh, we have the capability and, and um, flexibility to do things over Zoom, uh, these virtual meeting platforms and whatnot. Uh, but I don't think I have to, I'm probably not the first person to say this, but over the last, well, let's just call it two years. It's been like two years since this damn pandemic started. Uh, most of us, I think, are not really all that thrilled with being plugged in uh, all all the time. I mean, I know a lot of it started or at least it became bigger because of health concerns, but it is not, <clears throat> it's my opinion that it's not good for people to be so, so connected into, a, uh, into machines like that, that we actually lose what makes us human in the first place. And that's having a connection with one another, a personal connection, a real connection with one another that is not produced over a screen. So... That's my little rant about that. But unfortunately, it does seem like today that the relationship that we have with machines is only going to continue to grow. It's not backing down. It's not changing. Uh, if anything, it, it might just get worse. But it does make you think. Um, makes me kind of think about human nature as a whole, honestly, when I think about this symbiotic relationship. Well... Yeah, let, let me let me think. What did I want to say about this? Well, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to what I'm trying to say on this is that in the context of the Matrix, they have raged. They they're fighting this war against the machines, but the machines were created by man. They don't know when exactly, but they know that they developed their own um, artificial intelligence systems that thought that mankind was a problem and that they must be eliminated. Right. But funnily enough, how uh, how is mankind fighting against the machines in the in the in the in this movie? Well, they use other machines. The, the Matrix is nothing but an, uh, is nothing but a machine with programs built into it. And it's being used to destroy the machines that mankind made. So there's a lot of parallels and and interesting things that you can draw upon when you think about that. Uh, it's, it's just another one of the reasons why I love this movie. This is yet another instance of a subject that if you got together with some friends, you could have a great conversation about that. Because it's just me talking into an empty mic, uh, I'm not going to try to do a lot of that back and forth there. But I'll just say that it's an interesting conundrum 
but one that I ultimately think is unavoidable when it comes to human nature because this is part of who we are. Um, I, you know, that there's a there's a movie. This is also a '90s science fiction movie, The Fifth Element. Has anybody seen that? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a scene in The Fifth Element that shows Mila Jovovich's character, uh, Lilu. It's towards the end of the movie, and she's learning about um, humankind, and she's going through the alphabet, like memorizing everything, and she gets to the section of war, and it horrifies her beyond belief because after she has seen all these beautiful things, we're also capable of horrific, awful, awful things to each other and to the planet. And it's maddening. It's maddening to try to comprehend it and understand it. But that movie, the reason I bring up that that scene from that movie and tying it back into the Matrix is that I just think it is human nature to an extent that we, by nature, create our own doom. We are self-destructive by nature there's a lot of things that we do that we i think actually have a conscious uh we we are conscience uh conscience conscious yeah conscious of the fact that not everything we are doing is good for ourselves and for the planet and the environment but yet we continue to do it anyway and you might ask why um i would just say a lot of it's probably due to convenience laziness, uh, moral flexibility maybe, or lack thereof morals. Certain things are done because people just don't have a moral structure or foundation and they just do it. Or because maybe by nature we are competitive deep down. We're, we're never truly satisfied. We always must have the next greatest thing. And in that, in that pursuit of the never-ending greatness i guess that maybe humanity is trying to get we we stumble a lot and we make a hell of a lot of mistakes and cause a lot of our own problems and i i know that sounds pretty pessimist when i say it like that but it is i think it's instinctually part of what makes humans humans but i don't know as flawed as we are i think human beings can be pretty beautiful too capable of a lot of great things but also terrible things, and and I think the Matrix, Matrix, really just uh, the way it visualizes that idea of mankind being connected to machines and what we are capable of doing to ourselves and the world around us. I think there's actually there's I think there's a message there. And again, I might be reaching for this one, but I I I think there is definitely a message there, but. I want to talk now about a what I'm just going to refer to as one of the many mind fucks of the Matrix, and there are a few of them where if you really want to like stop and think about it, like I picture I, I picture like that person like in like the 1970s that's like at some party, maybe they're at like Woodstock and they're smoking a doobie, and they find some guy and they're just like, hey man, do you ever think how like the universe could be a little grain of salt that's in your hand and then there's a universe in that man like whoa my brain's gonna explode you know what i'm talking about that whole thing (laughs) i don't i don't don't know why i thought of 70s hippie woodstock guy that's high off his butt talking about the universe but hey that is how my brain works sometimes and i just gotta ride it out on here that's what this is for i don't know if that's what this is for but whatever 
I'm I'm using this as like a therapy thing, but then that's I'm talking I'm talking nonsense. I'm talking nonsense. I'm I'm letting the ideas twist my mind around too much until it's not even there anymore. Okay, let me talk about the first of several uh, what the fuck kind of mind moments, uh, mind mind fuck moments. I've said the F word now like three or four times. I might have to put the explicit tag on this episode, but whatever. We're most of us are adults. So I got to play a, a soundbite here of a moment that I still think about to this very day and I scratch my head over. Here it is. Do you know what it really reminds me of? Tasty wheat. Did you ever eat tasty wheat? No, but technically neither did you. Well, that's exactly my point. Exactly. Because you have to wonder now. How do the machines really know what tasty wheat tasted like, huh? Maybe they got it wrong. Maybe what I think tasty wheat tasted like actually tasted like uh, oatmeal or, uh, or tuna fish. That makes you wonder about a lot of things. Uh, you, you take chicken, for example, maybe they couldn't figure out what to make chicken taste like, which is why chicken tastes like everything. Uh, maybe they couldn't Shut figure out. Think about that. Is, is that not... Does that not puzzle you? Because how would a machine know what food tastes like? How, how how do you quantify a taste? How do you write the code to make something taste like how it does? How do you get that? How do you articulate that? It, can that be genetically quantified? Can you tell how chicken tastes by doing some genetic experiment like on my throat? I don't know. I just know when I was younger, I, I actually played that scene back a couple of times. And I'd look at it and just be like, wait, what? That, that is fascinating. That is endlessly fascinating to think how a machine would be able to code all these different things, all these different facets and, and, and things within the world and still be able to understand what, how we perceive taste, the taste of things. And, you know, I, I make it sound like it's some crazy thing, but this is 2021. There probably is some actually really good science out there for this. And I'm just being an idiot that's like, oh, I can't believe that. Like, how would you actually do that? And some scientist out there is probably listening, being like, well, actually, all you have to do is you have to take the parsable decibels within the food ca- calibration. Uh, I'm just saying things that I've heard in uh, science uh, things. This is actually my uh, scientific voice. Um, yeah. You know, how annoying would it be if I just talk like this for the rest of the episode? I, I don't know. I don't even know if I would want to hear a podcast like this. Uh, it's it, it, it would be considered a, a lot. And I feel like my voice is uh, gradually changing. And I'm uh, developing a bit of a lisp. <clears throat> we interrupt this program to bring you nonsense from whatever the hell I just babbled. <laughs> I don't know. Just think about that tasty wheat thing, man. That's like that's crazy. That's that's some crazy stuff. Okay. Uh, one of the other things, well, one of the other several, not one. I, I keep saying like one, uh, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. It's like just do it. You don't have to have a smooth transition for every every freaking subject, man. Like just come on, let's go. Um. So there's a lot of philosophy that gets talked about when people talk about the matrix and I'm always fascinated personally with philosophers. I don't actually know if there's any really famous ones right now. 
I feel like most of the time, like if anybody is ever talking about philosophers, they always refer to Socrates, right? They always refer to these old dinosaurs that existed, you know, thousands of years ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. But does anybody know? Is there, if there, are there any like current philosophers right now that are well recognized and give talks or anything like that? Maybe I'd, maybe I'd be curious to see that. But anywho, in my research for this episode. I decided to take a look at some philosophers myself and see what I could find out. And one of them I found was by this guy named uh, Theodore Adorno. He was born in 1903, made it to 1969. Um, But he had a theory that I read about that some person wrote an essay about that they tried to tie in their theory to the Matrix. Anywho, it all made sense when I was reading it at the time, but I'll try to go with it for this. Um, So this um, philosopher argued that along with other intellectuals uh, during his period of time, that capitalist society was a mass consumer society within which individuals were categorized, uh, subsumized, and governed by highly restrictive social, economic, and political structures that had little interest in specific individuals so i could see just off the top i could see how that notion of thinking could be plugged into the matrix Uh, especially consumption and whatnot uh, because at the time that the matrix is taking place in the artificial reality that the machines have created it is uh I mean, it's around the 90s, like when it's supposed to be uh, taking place. At least that's when the machines decided to document our existence. And it shows that even at that time, most people were pretty, I don't know, a lot of them were distanced from each other. If you ever think about it, if you watch the, the, the Matrix before Neo takes the red pill, everybody just sort of seems detached from one another. They're sort of doing their own thing. Everybody... I mean, he, Keanu Reeves himself, Neo, he is in a cube, a cube farm. Just, he just sits there. Doesn't really look like he talks to many people. Pretty self, uh, pretty, pretty isolated individual, but he, he lives vicariously a double life on the internet as the hacker, uh, known as Neo. But I don't know this Ordono, this Ordono guy. Yeah. Or Adorno. Am I saying that right? I don't know. Adorno. I'll just I'll call him that, Mister Ordono. Well, what he's talking about is interesting. I I find it very interesting anyway because I think uh, maybe it's perhaps another thing that the Matrix is commenting on is that we put a a hell of a lot of value on capitalistic things over the actual value that a human has. I I think there's maybe some things to be said there. So. Yeah, think, think about that while I jump over to this next philosopher named John uh, Baldrillard. Am I saying his name right? Well, this is another philosopher that got mentioned a couple of times in these deep matrix analysis uh, papers that I was looking at. And this guy said that he believed that society had become so saturated with these, with these simulacra. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Uh, our lives becoming so saturated with the constructs of society that all meaning was becoming meaningless by being infinitely uh, mutable. He called the this phenomenon the procession of simulacra. 
Well, um, speaking of simulacra, I'm definitely probably not saying that right, but lack of meaning. Is there something there? You know, I, I'll be honest, I'm not probably smart enough to really dive into that one. I'm sorry. I didn't have the time to read 12 essay papers on this. Okay. But look up both those philosophers and maybe you'll be intrigued by what they think and maybe think about it in the context of the matrix or dare I say, dare I say the real world. Actually, you know, that, that that's a point. That's a point that I'll bring up. We could all stand to do more philosophizing. Holy crap. I don't think that's a word. We, we could all stand to be a bit more um, introspective, introspe- introspective, and whatever the opposite of that is for looking on things in the outside. Extrospective, is that even a word? Probably not. The, the point is, is that we should be taking the time to question the world around us don't just take everything at face value i think the matrix actually has some things to say about that as well not just assuming things not be being a part of a routine i don't know it's uh kind of that's kind of an interesting one to think about um Another, t- another, another, I'm making noises because a machine just took over my body and made me make a bunch of babbling noises like a lunatic. Okay, assuming, assuming you're still listening and didn't shut the cycle babble off. Another uh, thing that I thought that was interesting about this is talking about, I just realized I already talked about that. No, here it is. Simulation theory, right? Simulation theory. This is something I hear get talked about. I think Joe Rogan's actually mentioned it on his podcast every once in a while. Um, I admit I have not lost my marbles enough to really dive into this and question my reality. But essentially what it is, if anybody's interested, uh, the simulation hypothesis, it's a proposal regarding the nature of existence existence sorry uh, regarding the nature of existence which posits this posits like short for hypothesize whatever uh, posits that all of existence is an artificial simulation such as a computer simulation and this is actually this is actually relatively interesting um because there's actually like a fair amount of people that have spent a lot of time writing about this they they talk about um, how computers work, tying it into dreaming, uh, talking about all the philosophical and religious implications. Uh, there's, there's a lot to actually talk about when it comes to simulation, uh, simulation theory or a simulated reality. Uh, mostly I, I would assume they're talking about quantum computers or something along those lines to, make it be convincing because it would certainly have to be convincing to be able to distinct to not be able to distinguish what is real from what is true reality um and this is i'm, I'm reading another thing about it right here it says that simulated reality it could contain conscious minds that may or may not know that they live inside a simulation so that is definitely the matrix um and then this, hang on, it's saying here, so this is quite different from the current technologically achievable concept of virtual reality. Yeah, because in a virtual reality concept, we are aware that we are plugging into something. Whereas if it's a simulated reality, 
uh, in this case, it's saying that we're conscious, but or conscious. I don't know why I can't say that. Um, but that we don't have control over it and that we are unwillingly a participant of it. I don't really know what to think about that. Uh, I'm just not well versed enough in that subject to be real with you. I'm sure if I actually took the time to read somebody that took a lot of time to research it or did some more research myself, I could possibly come up with a better viewpoint on this. Uh, but what I'll say is I don't, I don't really buy it. Like right now myself, I, I mean, like I, I know I feel pain and even pain could be a fake sensation and whatnot, but I don't know. I, I've seen, I've seen and done enough things in this life that if it was really fake, well, then, then what would, when, what would the real world be if it's not this? Like what, what would it be? Is it better than this? Is it worse? Does it even take on this shape or is it like in another dimension? I, I couldn't begin to tell you, but someone that somebody that knows simulation theory, can can you let me know like what what you're thinking about this? Because it is blowing my melon right now, and I don't have the time, nor the uh, articulate. I can't even be articulate. I can't even be articulate about it. I can't. So with that, I'm gonna move on. Move on to the next uh, thing on here, because I I told you there's a lot on this, a lot on this movie. This one I absolutely think is worth dissecting a little bit, and that's talking about distraction that is intentionally produced in order to make you become a more obedient person and be a producer. So let me give you an example. I said it before in this episode that there's a philosopher, one of the ones I had mentioned earlier, that talks about how capitalism dominates and a lot of people view their identity based off capitalism they view their success based off capitalism from monetary things from material things and it's strange because as life has advanced and continued to evolve with uh, social media and bitcoin and all these different things that all are revolved around technology i feel like we have become increasingly distracted with the technology and and possibly even brainwashed to a certain extent to produce 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 get more get more get more um advertisements i mean for god's sakes advertisements are everywhere you can't even go out i can't go anywhere without seeing one they're they're in the car they're, they're on my phone they're on the tv Hell, even movies. I love movies, but there, there's advertisements that are hidden in movies. It's everywhere. Um, but I, I, I'm not trying to like complain and bitch about advertisements. What I'm trying to say is that there's just an awful lot of distraction and things going on right now. And I dare I say the conspiracy theorist in me speculates a bit that some of this maybe more than some of this, is done intentionally so by design so that we are so focused on wanting products and things over real experiences with each other that don't have a monetary value attached with it. That's that's part of the downfall and, and I guess, beauty of capitalism. It helps people stay motivated uh, by being greedy and not having... Um, not having real-world value, just placing all value in material over actual life. And I also think if you really want to get dark and conspiratorial about it, 
you could also argue that all these distractions that are out there are also intentionally done so to make you be obedient, to make you fall in line, to make you rely on systems, to become dependent on a system, right? Become dependent on a system and get used to the, you know, the quote unquote, the routine, right? Um, I think there's a lot that you could say about that. And some of it actually, I think is honestly rings true. Uh, you know, George Carlin used to talk about that, that kind of stuff a lot, talking about consumption and how America's just all about consumption. And I think he's got a point for sure. Um, I think he does have a point, but anywho, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just something I think about. It alarms me a little bit, makes me, makes me doubtful, uh, sometimes about the future. I sometimes worry that I am, am like an old soul where I want real experiences with real people and real things. You ever, has anybody seen the movie Almost Famous? Like when Russell is all upset and frustrated by the reality around him, everything being fake, and he's just like, I just want real. I want real, man. I want real. But that, I don't know. I, I feel like that a lot of the times. I'm aware that there's a lot of things that are trying to draw my attention, draw my gaze, and they're and it's it's doing it just to get my money. It's doing they, they they want my money. That's what they want. They want my money. They want my business. I know what they want. They can say it in twenty different ways, and I still know at the end of the day, I'm like, I know what you want. You want my money. I'm not saying I won't give it to you. I might I might want what you got, but at the same time, if I'm if I'm not careful and if we're not careful, we're gonna place too much damn value on things over people. And I think the Matrix actually has something to say about that. So that's what I was trying to say. Um, another another interesting part that I got to comment on here is, oh, wait a minute. I had another philosopher that I wanted to talk about in here. There's another guy. I, I think this is a guy. Rene Des, Descart, Descartes. Oh, my gosh. Jordan go back to college, get educated, or do something so that you don't sound like such a dipshit on the podcast. Okay, but Rene... <laughs> Rene Des, Des, Descartes, whatever. I'm just going to say Rene. It's easier. So Rene, uh, this, this philosopher ties into the Matrix, I promise. They argued that the theory of innate knowledge and that all humans were born with knowledge through the higher power of God. Ooh. Does this, does this tie in? I'm sure it does. Someone that's more educated can tell me. Good Lord. A am I meant to be am I meant to be an educated person? Do I just my God, I just feel like I was sounding pretty good for a lot of this and then I just sounded really dumb. I think it, I just got too much in my head because I couldn't pronounce that person's last name. It's making me feel like an idiot. Ugh, whatever. Um actually, you know what? That that'll tie into the next one. Um maybe Yes, it's problem problem with knowledge. That's what I'll say. The problem with knowledge, and I think this soundbite here is going to say exactly what I'm trying to say. You know, I know this steak doesn't exist. I know that when I put it in my mouth, the matrix is telling my brain that it is juicy and delicious. After nine years... You know what I realize? 
Ignorance is bliss. Isn't it? Isn't it, though? Ignorance sometimes, in my opinion, can be bliss. Uh, I I have my little brother, actually. He quotes that to me fairly often. I think maybe he's quoting it from The Matrix, or maybe he just truly knows, because he's a very smart guy. He's a very smart guy, and I think it's almost maddening for him how smart he can be on certain things, and there's things he almost probably wishes that he could turn his brain off and not really think about, but it's hard for him to because he's very smart. He has an engineer kind of brain. But for a average intelligence fellow like myself, somebody that's probably more street smart than anything else, uh, I will tell you that, yeah, it, it can overwhelm me sometimes when I think about how much knowledge is truly out there in the world. And maybe the people in the Matrix feel like that. A lot of them probably feel a sense of despair or hopelessness because there's so much that they want to understand, but they, they, they never will. I mean, like I said, they, earlier in this episode, I said they don't even know what year it is when the machines came and kicked their ass and made them live in the sewers. They don't know. Uh, and maybe that's better. Maybe it's better that they don't know. Do we always need to know the truth? That's, that's something else to think about, too. I guess I'm just throwing a lot of just like, hey, think about this, think about this, think about this, but... I don't, I don't know that that's it. Maybe I said this before. It's another reason why I love the matrix and movies like this is because I love just talking at great length about these types of subjects. And maybe you get to a resolution on it or maybe you don't, but it keeps you engaged. And I think it helps keep you informed and it helps just keep you on your toes. This kind of thinking, this kind of talk. And I really thank The Matrix for doing that. And I think it did it for a lot of people. I think it did. But going back to the problem with knowledge and what it does, it's, uh, yeah, it can be it can be maddening trying to think about it all. I That's that's something I get from social media. Social media, it, it can stress the hell out of me if I'm on it for too long. There's a million things that are going on. People are taking all this time. They're, they're oversharing details. They're, there's just so much... And a lot of it's like, it's not that I don't have interest in it. I do, but my brain's only capable of so much in a given day. And I have my own life to worry about. And I don't even, like, I don't even have kids. One, one day I'll have kids, I suspect, but I don't have kids right now. And I have a hard enough time as this sometimes keeping up with all the information that's out there. And, and it has, it's only gotten worse with the conveniences that technology has given us. So I don't know. Sometimes I, I look at the character of Cypher, him eating that glorious juicy steak, and if he had the option to go back to just being an, an ignorant sheep in the herd, well, I mean, he may be the asshole of the movie and a traitor, but I kind of, I, I, I mean, I get it. I get it, Cypher. But at the same time, you also were a backstabbing POS, and you had that creepy date rapey moment with Trinity. So I don't, I don't really like him for that. But, <laughs> uh, Joe, Joe Pantoliano, that's the actor's name I can't pronounce, uh, good actor, and you were a, a good POS in this movie, so love you, dude. Uh, love you, Joe, that's what I'm trying to say. Okay, I got one more thought that I want to share on the first Matrix, and then I'm going to start to wind this down. The, the last thought that I want to talk about on this is 
Neo's inner need within himself to find the truth of things because that is definitely something I think that's at the core of the matrix. And it's certainly at the core of Neo throughout the entire trilogy, because from the early onsets of him before he's even in the matrix, before he fully adopts the role of Neo and he's no longer having the dual identity of Thomas Anderson, he knows something's wrong, but he can't, he can't quite put a, a name on it. He feels it, feels it deep down. And he, in his own way, is trying to seek out truth. He's trying to find what is, what's the answer? What is the answer to this gnawing feeling that he can't describe? Of course, it's the Matrix, and he eventually gets to figure out what the answer is for him. But that's something I think about. Actually, often when it comes to my own self and my pursuit, my pursuit of fulfillment, I'm trying to be fulfilled to this day. I, I mean, I, I think we all are in a certain extent. Some may, some may have awareness of it more so than others, or some may have hopefully attained it. Maybe they don't realize they have, but they have. And for those, I, I am truly happy. I am very happy for anybody that actually is able to be in the place they want to be at and they damn now, and they damn well know it. That's great. But I think there's a lot of people out there that they get caught up in the routine. They, they get caught up in the system. They get caught up in what they have been raised and conditioned to do. And some, some of that has purpose creates structure, creates creates systems, uh, helps things function and keeps control on certain things where it needs to be by having that. But too much of that, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I always like it. I, I value being an individual and I don't want to be somebody that conforms to everything that's told to me. I, I don't. Sometimes you don't always have a choice or it feels that way. Yeah, choose your battles, as they say. But it's something I relate very much with the character of Neo is him trying to find truth. Even if that truth is painful, even if it is worse possibly than the circumstance he's in, there's peace that comes with truth. Uh, there's understanding, contentment that comes with knowing the truth of things. And I just think life is really short and... Rather than waste away my days doing somebody else's version of what they define as success or what they define as living a good life, they may very well not be mistaken or, you know, I mean, it's their opinion, but I know me. I know me and I trust who I am. And while I'm going to fail and probably fail often, I don't ever want to get caught up in a system of feeling like I don't have control over my life and I can't choose the course of my life. Like I, I should be able to determine where things go. It's not always predetermined for me, which that's something else they talk about in this movie. Uh, but for the case of Neo, I really admire that despite a lot of things even himself having doubts telling him not to do it, he still can't fight the urge within deep down within his real self to 
to be truthful and live truthfully. I don't know if any of that made sense there, but I think I may, I don't know. I think I may have been onto something there. Maybe who knows, but with that said, I'm going to wrap this episode up. Um, I really appreciate you all listening to my rambled thoughts on the first matrix movie. I am going to talk about the next two matrix movies. Like I said, on December 10th and on December 17th. So look out for those. And I'll talk more about like the actual characters um, and the story of the matrix more in the sequels. But for this first one, I really just wanted to expand and air out some thoughts I had on the philosophical ideas, spiritual ideas, um, and just interesting analysis that comes with this first movie. So that's what I wanted to do. And, and I hope that you enjoyed it. I really hope you did. So that's all I got for this episode. I will catch you all in the next one. And of course I'll have an episode come out on this coming Sunday. So take a look out for that. Um, but yeah, that's it. So thanks again, everybody for coming by. Have a great, great weekend.